Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by a guest. First guest in a while. Pretty excited. He's been one of my my favorite Twitter follows for years. And uh, Fusu Vu, uh, if you don't know him, he's at Dynasty Yusuf. And there's actually a, an interesting story. Uh, we talked before the show not about this specifically. So we're going to go through a little bit of his of his Twitter uh, history, Twitter environment, and also a ton about prospects, Devi, the 21 rookie class, uh, a variety of topics here. But uh, this is the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 250 premium podcasts annually. we got a trade calculator, become a general manager plus subscriber, get all the tools you need to have your best season yet in Dynasty coming up in 2021. And uh, Fusu, you drop something that is accurate and hot every single day. I mean, what's the best and worst thing about your your Twitter timeline and mentions? Because you are always filling the box score like a like a a triple crown contender. The worst thing, um, you know, just on the timeline, I I guess you just you always you just always see uh, all these uh, all these new accounts popping up, you know, getting into fantasy or getting into dynasty, and you know, I think you know some of them they're just when it comes to um, you know analyzing or evaluating, they're just kind of falling into the hype or the recency bias and making the same mistakes every year. And as far as uh, my mentions goes, there's al- there's always uh, someone you know chiming in with some something negative or you know like or something of the nature like hate mail, if you will. <laughs> But you know, that's I guess that's just kind of uh, the attention that you know I attract. You know the way, <laughs> I, yeah, the way I, uh, you know, the way I run my account. <laughs> <laughs> you just, run your own account, and what I would say yeah. is, you have a brevity about you, and it's a biting sharpness to your sentences, which I like. Brevity is one of my watchwords, and the fact that you'll put out rankings and a notable player that you don't like. You just think they are over, overvalued. You're not afraid to put them at wide receiver 8, running back 10, you know, things like that where it might be a faux pas for anyone else to have them below running back 3, you know, because of their big name, you know, or their their well-known status. And that's been one of the calling cards and I mean, so we were talking, you were kind of teaching me about, you know, blocking people, what does that mean? Cuz I'm pretty unfamiliar with with, with Twitter from the regards of, of managing interactions with others where it seems like you deal with that daily and weekly of, you know, things go sideways. You're not, you're not shy about, you know, throwing out the barbs about them because uh, they bring it to you as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I think for yourself, you're probably the way uh, you carry yourself. You're probably not dealing <laughs> with uh-huh. as much, uh, 
as many uh, trolls as I do, but you know, it's just I, yeah, you know, it's just something I'm used to. And you know, if you know, if people want to, if people want to come at me with the wrong attitude, then you know what, they're, they're gonna get it back. <laughs> so, but I mean, some, you know, some of it, it's less serious, and some of it, you know, it's it's a little, they, you know, it seems a little overboard. You know, some of the, yeah, some of the people they could, you know, they could have fun with it, you know, not you know and not make it too personal and you know some of it some of them you know they make it really personal so you know <laughs> it's whatever i can deal with it and you are actually this is your second twitter account right uh, did you ever find i don't know if uh, i never yes. saw the storyline or anything but did you ever find out because a lot of times it's very cryptic about what causes you know being blocked or deleted or suspended all these types of things well you know i i did uh, I did contact Twitter, and okay. they never they never gave me a clear answer. Shocker! Shocker! <laughs> all they all they said was uh, basically they said service. stop. Yeah, they stop. They basically said stop contacting us. You're never getting your account back. You uh, violated the terms uh, okay. too, many, too many times. So you just created a so, new one. Yeah, so I just decided. And now you so you created a new one. You acted the exact same way, and it's been all good since. Yeah. So. Okay. I'm not sure. How long ago was <laughs> that? What the issue is. How long ago was uh, that? It was uh, February last year. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, wow. almost a year ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And- I, yeah. The I think. Well, apparently, um, the that particular person. Let's not mention his name. <laughs> Uh, I think he, so as far as I know, he said that I had, you know, used a, a specific expletive that. I got you. <laughs> yes, but. So you got tattled on is maybe much. the main reason. Okay. Right. And it, and it was someone with more than 52 followers, so it carried it was, more weight. It was probably, yeah, it was, or it was probably one of his followers, but. I got you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, but it's just so Twitter, let, so. Yeah. So we're around the senior bowl time and we talked a little bit about it before the show. So let's discuss film versus metrics because it's a divisive issue. It feels like it's becoming more divided by the year. And then you have some people that of course are trying to bring the two sides together and say, can't we have both? Can't we use both? I would frame it this way that if you ask someone, they should have a take on this, that if you could only have one or the other, so, yes, sure, can you use both? Absolutely. But if you could only use one or the other, people should have a pretty clarified answer. Um, do you? I feel, and, and just continue this sentence if you agree, that with film, you can almost pick a play, pick a moment, and have it say whatever you want to say. And, I'm, and they always say you know, that you can do that to some degree with statistics. But I feel like the who do we know what we're watching to as high of a level as we should or NFL folks that's baked into pedigree and all these types of things, it feels like there's more art of you can have it say what you want to say with with film as opposed to metrics. I think there's just too much uh, subjectivity with with film. So I mean what so what I would, I would propose is that we 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 create metrics from the film. 
Right. Instead of just you know, instead of just watching it and writing an anecdotal uh, evaluation, you know, so let's let's chart, let's chart and you know, take a note of the met- the metrics. Like you know, is he what kind? What's the coverage? You know, let's record that. What's is he being right. pressed? Like a wide receiver, is he being pressed? Is it is it zone or you know stuff like that? I, I, you know, I feel like you know that's where that's that's one thing that film could get better at is you know quantifying the footage, the plays instead of just you know looking at it from a qualitative perspective, anecdotal, right. you know, descriptive you know, a descriptive point of view. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I always say it this way, because my, my modeling, you know, they have different categories. It tracks a bunch of stuff, you know, that's on the physical side for a prospect, but also on the production side. And I always view, you know, if a guy isn't that physically talented, let's say, or, you know, they have a thin frame or, you know, they're, they're not overly athletic and it just, it doesn't look like your typical difference maker and yet they produce at a high level, then that's probably that gap there that typically isn't there that you wouldn't have guessed that someone that's not overly athletic for their position by the NFL standards and, you know, all of these different baselines. And if they are productive, that's probably a proxy for the film. Right. I mean, if you got someone that isn't, you know, overly, quote unquote, physically talented or, you know, athletic attributes, but yet they are productive, that probably says that if you put on the tape because they are producing, they are filling the box score to some degree, you know, above what you might expect. There you go. Boom. There's sort of your, you know, line in the sand of, yeah, you're probably going to the film guys are probably going to like them more than others. And that's what that's pretty much what, you know. The metrics, the metrics are telling you, you know, if if a guy's if a guy's this good in in terms of production, you know, volume and metrics, and you know, accounting for, you know, maybe accounting for a level of competition, you know, conference and account for age. If he's just if he's doing all this, you know, on paper, the you know. There's probably something on the film that we're, you know, we're not seeing, you know, that that's going to help him project to the NFL. Because I think I think the I think one of the big misunderstanding between the film and the metrics is that the the film guys were they're looking at what's they're looking at the present and the past. What's you know what's happening right there? What's going on right there? And the the metrics, you know. That analytics, we're we're trying to we're trying to project. You know, we're using this right. information, and we're we're trying to project, and that's what you know. That's what the numbers that we're using are telling us. It, it's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily. We're not looking at it as, you know, descriptive. It's just we're looking at it as a projection. Yeah, I mean, we're 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 looking ahead, and it's very. It, first of all, it's tough business. You know, there's there's so many variables that go into projecting 18 year old 
even if it's a 21, 22 year old to what they might do at the NFL, which is a giant leap ahead. And, you know, whether it's high school to, to college as well, I, I find that like the fact that I, I look and you have your, you know, top, you know, top tiers and, and you go through skill positions with, with, uh, incoming recruits for, for college. I mean, that is a slippery slope of watching. I mean, it is tough. It is tough to, to pare down so many, you know, even of the top recruits to, uh, to really nail down, you know, who's going to be productive at various college programs. Um, that's one thing that you have complete transparency that, I mean, every single year you put out your, you put out your uh, incoming recruits and freshman lists, you know, for, for the various positions by tiers and, and things like that, which, which again, uh, hat tip to you. Um, I wanted to ask, um, because I'm in the, what I always say is for for folks that if you're in a you know a rookie draft that you can just say you don't want to draft somebody you know you can if you're a little bit below consensus on player X it doesn't matter if you're a couple spots lower or 50 because you just won't draft them so it's not a big deal but if you have to if you have to rank everybody this is where it gets interesting so I know because <laughs> I've seen you make at least 47 comments and it's <laughs> early February now on Devonta Smith. He's going to be, he's like the, uh, you know, the, the Rorschach test for film versus uh, metrics. And I, I mean, I could, I could lay out the case here, but when you say, you know, if, if you are down on him or he's overrated, the idea that you still have to rank him, that that's where it becomes interesting because, and, and I'll dial in on this in a minute, but, but can you talk about Devonta Smith and sort of maybe the issues he presents as a prospect that the NFL is projecting him to go very, very high in the NFL draft where you're looking at it from a lot more granular metric uh, presentation of what he is. As far of as far as Devonte goes, um, I think um, the the film scouts. I think I think when they talk about Devonte, I think they're more talking about um, his ability to translate and his uh, pro readiness. And they're not. I'm not sure they're necessarily um, high on him because of what he can become, his upside, so to speak, and from from a fantasy perspective, where I think we're kind of looking at, we're projecting, oh, you know, how how good can he be? And just for me, I don't think that, I don't think I see him as an alpha type, uh, the kind of uh, wide receiver that is going to get like 140, 150 targets. So that's, you know, that's just one of the reasons why I'm not as, I'm not as high on him for when I, when I rank uh, wide receivers, I, I'm generally really high on all the alpha types. Give me the guys that you know. Could give me be all, a number one. Yeah, give me yeah, give me all, give me all the upside. So give you me know, a guy that might be a twenty percent chance of being an alpha number one multi-year. Give me the ball tilt tilt a passing game guy as opposed to give me then then a guy that has like a fifty percent chance of being someone's Robin to their Batman, right? Someone that's going to be a secondary option and is going to be in the NFL for a while, you know, but, but they're going to top out, right? They're going to have a low ceiling. Is that a good way of saying it? Yeah, that's how I would describe it. Okay. Um, 
yeah, I mean, I just obviously uh, Devonte, he's he's very he's very good, very skilled to a certain level. I think for me, it's just you know the the contention is you know what is the level of his you know his goodness? Is it you know is it you know in the middle or you know above average or is he is he elite? Is he generational? I think that's kind of where that's just where you know my strong feelings are centered on and i think and i think the i think the counter arguments they just focus on oh you know he's, he's good so take him in the first you know he's a first rounder or right. he's he's the best wide receiver in the draft you know but i mean sure he could be the best but still what's you know what's his upside he could be the best and everyone could be you know, less than him, but what's what's his upside? Yeah, you know, even I just don't. You know, I, I for me, it's just I don't see the upside there. Can I ask you about the? I mean, this is more of a like you're profiling the psychology of this a little bit. But who doesn't? Who goes to the Senior Bowl and doesn't get weighed in? <laughs> what is going on? I don't what, know. What's the, what's I the mean, downs, what's the downside of that? Was he 162 pounds? Someone, well, I guess someone. Because you can always weigh in. You can always weigh in was, more, right? You can weigh in more at your pro day. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I have no idea. It's just I've never must, heard of that. It must be uh, his agent's call. Now he only gets one chance, one chance for a weigh-in. This is like the forty time, right? <laughs> if you don't run, don't run, don't run. Eventually, you'll yeah. have one chance or no chances. Yeah, I thought I that was. I think he's pulling a nineteen ninety-five. Top know. running back move of like, don't weigh me. I'm not running. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> Just draft me at number two overall, and I'm good. I, I think that's what he's trying to do. There you go. But he he boggles my brain. Even at like 170, 175 pounds, like we just haven't seen this BMI do anything. Like he's not Deshaun Jackson. Like he and he's not going to run four three. What are we doing here, right? Yeah. I mean, am I being that simplistic? Like, if you haven't seen this, this is not... There's rare in a good way, yeah. and there's rare in a bad way. This is rare in a bad way. <laughs> and, then yeah. you get, and then you get people saying, oh, well, well, you know, what's his comp? Well, let me pull out someone really great automatically, because I don't have a list of anybody. Let me just pull... Oh, it's Marvin Harrison. He's Marvin Harrison. There you go. There you go. Marvin Harrison. Now, would he be Marvin Harrison without Peyton Manning, or... You never know. Okay. But yeah, I mean, a BMI of 23, 24, I mean, I mean that just, I, I don't, I, I can't, yeah. the metric part of me, it's like nails on a chalkboard. I can't get on board. Yeah, that was, I guess, a, a red flag. <laughs> I guess, it, I guess it gave. What do you think his, what do you think his range of outcomes for 40 time is? If he ever runs? Oh, 40? Um, sure. I think he. If I'm on the right track. Yeah. I think he has pretty good speed, actually. Maybe like a low four-four. Really? Okay. I think something like, I think he's probably pretty similar to Judy or Ridley. I think they ran like four-seven. Like mid four-four, maybe okay. a low four-four. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because his um his one hundred meter track time from high school it was like a ten-seven or ten-eight. So I mean. Okay. It's respectable. I mean, okay. yeah, I don't, I don't have questions about his speed. For me, it's okay. just 
Well, for me, it's the speed for the size. I mean, it's... (laughs) Yeah. The the bar keeps moving up. Yeah, his speed score is probably isn't going to be that great, but just... In the 80s. Just a a raw speed. Okay. And then the other part, and and we can can springboard into a different cross-section here talking about age, because... I mean, there's a lot going around that, you know, well, look at the massive season a guy has. You know, Devonta Smith at 21.8, you know, this past year is a, is a good point of that where, yeah, I mean, you know, he won the, won the Heisman and, you know, it wasn't a great Heisman year or anything. And it's just, it's an award. But um, the fact that he's highly productive, but he was at 21 years old. And, you know, that depth chart was more cleared out than it's ever been. And I don't like to go into, I mean, every once in a while, there's a, a real reason when you look at depth charts and you're like, well, that guy really had a tough road and this guy had an easy road to, to market share and, you know, overall production. But, but with Smith, I mean, he really mired around for quite a while before this was his first legitimate big year, if you will. You know, and I don't think people realize the 21-year-old playing against 19 or 18-year-olds factor as opposed to an 18-year-old that's doing it against 21-year-olds, the reverse. I don't think people realize the big, massive difference there is in predictability, but also just in difficulty level. Yeah, that, I think that's one thing that many people are just overlooking. You know, he's, he's, a, little, he's a 40-year player, and he's a, he's a little older than, you know, his peers. You know, on you know, on the field and his peers positionally, other wide receivers in the class. So you know, he's so he's he's basically doing what you would expect a a good a good or you know above average prospect is doing. So is it you know are we elevating him higher than what he we need to do, or you know is he is he really that good because he's basically the same. He's basically the same age as Justin uh, Justin Jefferson would be this year, so it's kind of like some of these, some of the twenty twenty uh, wide receivers there they will be twenty two this year. Yeah, they'll be twenty two this year, and it just, you're kind of imagining, well, well, what if those guys, you know, went back for basically their fifth college season? Or wouldn't they be, wouldn't they be doing the same things, or even better right you know yeah and uh juju smith schuster right he was he was 20 he was like he was sub uh 23 years old in his second nfl season you know so he was so far ahead of everybody um in that regard and, and yeah like so you're talking developmental curves and the yeah the late bloomer is typically not a great one you know especially as you mentioned you go back for your senior year you should dominate if you're even gonna get drafted you kind of have to have a good senior season if you haven't had that big year yet and so for smith to return to to school he kind of had to post exactly like this when you're i haven't seen if you've specifically ranked wide receivers like what do you think for a guy let's assume right now that devonta smith goes top 10 in the nfl top 10 top 10 pick what's the reasonable like okay i don't think his ceiling is that great i have concerns there but with that level of draft position, is there like a certain floor or are you one where you say you still have to evaluate the player and that means I can still justify and warrant having him at like wide receiver 10? Or do you think that even that is like a little too much hate and too much fire on him 
for saying, I don't think he's that great of a player, but if you're going to go this high in the draft, there's sort of a, a, a baseline floor there that you should kind of meet. Uh, if he's, yeah, if he's going to go top 10 and he probably will, uh, I think, I think the highest that I'd probably put him is probably like wide receiver five, maybe four okay. or five, but I've so, kind of, yeah, my rankings are basically kind of, uh, tiered. So I probably, he's right now he's in my third tier. So I would probably just move him up a tier. So you'd yeah. have him behind basically the other first round wide receivers or the other expected yeah. first round yeah. wide receivers. Yeah, have him in the, the back of that bucket. Yeah, he's you know, maybe his floor is high, but you know, maybe he probably never becomes like a perennial you know he ne- probably never comes uh in the discussion of, you know, the dynasty wide receiver one. I got gotcha. Yeah, maybe he stays out of that top ten, top twelve. You know, yeah, that's kind of where, where I see it. Is this might be a leading leading the witness question? Is Kadarius <laughs> is Kadarius Tony uh, another film versus metrics guy that is going to have a divided wall between him? Yeah, yeah, he's 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 got, he's the guy this year. <laughs> a guy, okay. So he's, yeah, he's even worse in ter- in terms of uh, what what film Twitter thinks of him. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I thought he was going to be like a round three, round four, round five guy, and I'm hearing like round one, two. Yeah, he's, he's getting the, he's getting a senior bowl bump. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean there was there was chatter leading up to senior bowl. Yeah, but yeah, kind of like everyone's just kind of confirming, <laughs> confirming, confirming their first round takes of him. So this is this is going to be a, a softball question, but you look at Kadarius Tony, and so you ask yourself, can he be a wide receiver one in the NFL? And someone might ask the same question and say, if they're just looking at you know size or things like that, well, why why would you be higher on Rondell Moore then? Uh, Rondell Moore, uh, yeah. as far as uh, well, size you know, goes. as in, yeah, in terms of you know, not a t- prototypical six one, six two, six three guy, and you know, if they both go yeah. in the top twenty five to forty of the NFL draft, you know, what would be your answer to why Tony is extremely overrated and Rondell Moore within that prism would be underrated? As as far as uh, Rondell, um, well, he is he's short, but right. they're almost I think they're almost the same weight. Yeah. You know, Ron. You know, Rondell's heavy, so you know he's got great BMI. (laughs) So yeah, you know he's pretty stout, and he, you know, just from a metric standpoint, he showed out early. So that you know that says that says something. But I do think just from a physical perspective, I, you know, I just think Rondell's just he's he just built pretty good and. You know, Tony, I just don't, you know, I, I just don't, you know, physically see it with him. I don't, I don't really think he's going to test that well athletically either. And, you know, more of my tests better as well. Okay. Is there a, um, uh, we were talking about, about just general speed. And what do you think is the, you talked about the track background for players, and these are just sort of peeking through keyholes of 
what they could be because some of them may be injured during the draft process. They might have very few data points. I was going to ask you one thing I brought up and I wanted to see if maybe you agree with this or not. So the difference between com- general historical views of the combine pro day, combine 40 times and the or just workouts in general versus pro days versus private workouts. And one of my premises is, is, you know, imagine all the stress of the combine, of traveling to there. You know this is a big deal. You stressed out about it all week. And, you know, you might not be sleeping well. You've been going through exams. People, you're pulling on your knee and your, your shoulder that you had two operations on. And, you know, you're going through all this stuff. It's stressful. And now it's, well, you didn't run that great of a time. I wouldn't expect in that environment you would run your best time. And then you go and you work out at your own facility on your own schedule with your coaches and the players you're familiar with in your comfortable environment a month or two later with more training, I would expect you to do better. Do you, do you view workouts differently if it's you know structured NFL laser time versus the pro day? Do you think I'm... Uh, you think I'm on to something or is this sort of, no, there is a difference and we should definitely say that if you didn't run at the combine, the pro day is a different animal and we shouldn't really weight it the same. I think the only real difference is the, uh, uh, the, the method that they're using to, uh, to measure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The 40 times. So close their eyes yeah. and using a, using a stopwatch. <laughs> is that what you mean? Yeah. Use two stopwatches. Yeah. Well, you were, you're the one that actually, you know, I, I loved what you did when you, you actually count frames, right? I mean, you will take film and you, uh, of someone running a drill and you will, you will use the, the math factor basically and you'll come up with a, a time that I think I recall from previous combines. I mean, you are very close to the, the electronic number that they provide, you know, their final official time. And then that obviously gives a lot of credence to, you know, when if you are able to get one that you can, you know, actually see endpoints and all that kind of stuff on, you know, a, a training workout or pro day, that leads credence that that it's a justifiable time with whatever you measure there. Yeah. So uh, the, as far as pro day time, some of the, you know, I didn't, I didn't really, I don't, you know, pro, pro days are never really accurate, reliable. So, you know, I just, I had, you know, I had started just, you know, looking at the video and just going frame by frame and just calculating it all out and just kind of you know using my own measurements if you will because you know NFL teams you know <laughs> there's each scout had they're gonna use your own measurement anyway so you know I why don't why don't I use my own measurements right at least it's accurate and at least it's more um, comparable to the combine you know right and their method yeah, and so you know, I've I've found that you know, usually the 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 reported times they're usually a little you know a little faster by, you know, some of them could be a ten for, you know, point one, point one five, or is it zero one five? The the worst on um, <laughs> the the worst I see from some of these like pro day you know quick write ups about you know defensive end so and so did this did this, they'll say you know they ran a four four. And they literally use the tenths, like it's four, 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 five, or four, six. Like, well, well there's yeah. a lot of a lot of gradation yeah. between those two numbers. You know, is it four, four, five? Is it four, four, seven? Like, you're not really helping us out. You're saying like they ran four, and so I always assume when I see some, you know, fanish write up like that that it's it's it 
assume it they barely grazed into that. Like it's probably four four eight <laughs> if they say it ran in the four ran in the four fours. Um I wanted to ask you, so yeah. what is if if we are entrenched in numbers and right now we don't have, as you said previously, enough clarification and enough description of what we're actually watching, putting you know, more of that clarification when we're watching film. What do you think is the best function for us as, you know, dynasty owners, evaluators for college to pro trajectory? What is the best ways or what are the things that film can help us with the most, you feel, in its current iteration? Film, like, as far as gameplay, like, I think for me, I think, you know, I just, I think they should, um, they should really start um, applying um, the player, uh, the player tracking, kind of like the GPS tracking, kind of like the next, the next gen stats. I feel that that all. I think I feel like that that data that's based on you know the tape, the gameplay. It's all being quantified. I think if you know you have access to that, I think that would help tape evaluation. You know, tremendously because that it could tell you who's who's excel who's accelerating, you know, faster than than the other guy, and you know, perhaps acceleration is can translate more than just you know running you know running straight line, forty yards in forty yards in a straight line, or you know running around running around cones, you know, like because the because you know because as tape watcher you're Okay, you're looking at okay. You look at a guy separate. Okay, how's he doing? Is he, is he, is he, just maintaining a constant acceleration? You know, is it is he changing speeds? You know, or or a guy that's running a hitch route? How quick can he stop and you know turn around? Or how you know is he is he accelerating into the break or you know you know stuff like that? Like you you're because. When you're watching with the film with the naked eye, that's that's kind of what you're you're looking for, you know. You're kind of you're kind of quantifying athleticism with the eye, and so if if there's a better way to quantify, I think that you know that's going to help the film the film aspect, you know, instead of what us analytics and metrics guys are are looking at. We're looking at we're just looking at production. We're looking at you know the result of the play. Right. And so if, yeah, and so if we could quantify the play, then that that would help you know the film aspect tremendously. Yeah, the unfortunate thing so. about about like you said, you know, a wide receiver running a route and how quickly do they throttle down, get out of their break, and but you're seeing that one isolated. It's that wide receiver versus that defensive back on that route, for example. And it's like, well, well, now when we watch the next, you know, three plays later or five hours later or a month later, we watch a different wide receiver run a similar route, but in a different setting. Are we really remembering and comparing those two? And it seems it just seems very arbitrary. And it's like, well, this guy gets out of his yeah. routes a lot better than this other guy. When it could just be the defensive back is a lot slower or faster. Yeah. I couldn't believe, and, and the thing that came through for me, I won't name what what wide receiver it was in the NFL, but I spent a whole afternoon. I I watched every single route they ran back to back, a whole half a season in the NFL. And you know what I came away with? Because there's this whole like separation, like oh, like this guy got open all the time. Like I I can't, I'm not gonna you know name names, but like there's certain studies that you, that people do where it's like 
you know, how well are you doing running your routes? Like, are you getting open versus man and versus zone? And my first thought is always, you should get open versus zone every single time. (laughs) You will always have separation versus zone because at one point you're by a defender and then you're not by a defender and eventually you'll be by another defender. In that middle zone, you're open. So at the time the the quarterback throws the ball, it drives me nuts, Fusu. I, I can't. So the so anyway, I tracked a whole half a season of one particular wide receiver. I watched it all. And you know what? They got open a heck of a lot. They were open on many routes, and <laughs> the quarterback didn't even look their direction. So that's how fickle this is. Like, so you got open, but yet the whole play yeah. was designed and and like I swear about yeah. 25-30% of the time, I called it a dummy route. Like you were literally just running off coverage. You had no function yeah. in the play. There is zero chance yeah. the ball comes to you. He's not even going to look to your side of the field. So how are you? How would you possibly grade yeah. that? How would you possibly track that for separation for versus man and zone? It doesn't matter. Yeah. The point is that didn't matter. It's when the guy's looking at you. That's when it matters. Anyway, he, he got yeah. open a lot. Is what I'll <laughs> say. And yet everyone, yeah. but yet everyone thinks he sucks at that time and that was the the interesting part so i just it, that that's when i really kind of gave up on the nfl part of it of just like so we're tracking who's going to be open and because that, that's one yeah. of your things that i remember in the last two three days you've mentioned is the creating separation like the good receivers yeah. are going to get the ball even if they're not separating by three yards which is ma- which is kind of like a college yeah. thing i mean nfl guys aren't getting open all the time by three yards yeah, the question. Yeah, the question we have we have to ask ourselves isn't is he going to get open enough? It's is the is his quarterback going to throw to him regardless? Right. Does yeah? Is his, does his quarterback trust him to make you know to make a play? You know if he's if he's covered, you know is his quarterback uh, you know afraid of the coverage or not? Okay. That's kind of what we have to ask. And you know, I think they're just. I think film evaluators they set. Um, you know, they set different. Ex- they set the same ex- expectations for. You know, wide receivers that aren't. You know, are, that aren't similar types. You know, like a smaller, speedy receiver or a big, bigger, taller. You know, not as athletic receiver. You know, I think there's. You know, I think the expectations are. You know, the same, and they. You know, they shouldn't be. I think that's kind of one of the areas that film kind of misses on. Um, is there a, is there a, a guy over the last three, four, five draft classes that I'm not going to say that you were sure about, but you were pretty confident that they could be a high level or even again middle of the road player in the NFL, and it just didn't work out. We all have those. I can't believe it. You won't, it's almost like the I still believe in you player where until they're out of the NFL, like I remember Kristen Michael was one of those guys for me where I was like, he must, there must be such a disconnect between what he's not understanding with a playbook or something like, cause when he hits the ball in his hands, I was like, I don't understand how he's not getting more opportunities and how he's just being passed around the NFL eventually. And when you're out of the NFL, it's like, well, then I, I have to give up on you because your career is actually over. But is there a player over the last few draft classes where maybe they still have a shot, but that they just didn't work out. And yet when you were, when you were scouting them in college and even back to high school, probably that you just everything is aligning with them to be a productive and higher level player in the NFL, and it just didn't work out. 
Um, probably uh, Devin Funches. <laughs> <laughs> well, he held out, so we don't really. So, so you have, have yeah. are you still holding out hope that he can come back next year, uh, or not really? Is I it... think so. Okay. Think so. Deep, deep sleeper. I don't think I, I don't think anyone even remembers him. <laughs> no, but yeah, I guess Funches. I was probably biggest the biggest fan of Funches. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I did I did like Kristen Michael as well. Yeah, I was big on him as well. But yeah, I guess I'll go with Funches. Is there someone from last year's class that you thought would have a better career start than they had through the first year? Still very early. Uh, I think the the obvious one would be um, Jalen Raker. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I, I have a line that I say, if you like Jalen Rager, then you you better really, really like Rondell Moore. Do you think that's pretty accurate? Go. I mean, because Rondell Moore yeah. is a better... Do you, do you agree that Rondell Moore is a better version? Or are they pretty similar? I, yeah, to? I think I think you could say slightly better. Okay, so so Jalen Rager is he one that you will go down with the ship in terms of like Devin Funches, right? Like you're even two <laughs> years from now, you will still say I believe he can be a strong player. Yeah. Okay. Right, yeah, I'm I'm gonna continue to ride, <laughs> conduct it. So what's your what's your two or three bullet points on? So why did Jalen Rager not produce more in year one? Why do, why do you think that was? I just think I just think a lot of things just went wrong. <laughs> he got yeah he got like injured twice. I think the the coaching just the coaching and the quarterback is just yeah his quarterback play was really bad and I think the coaching the the play calling was just they weren't putting they weren't putting the receivers in a position to succeed and it just I think everything just kind of snowballed. He also ha- he also had like three to five. I mean, if if it's a better ball or if he gets the ball, I mean, how would we be talking about it if he had three more fifty plus yard catches and two of them went for touchdowns last year? I mean, how would the the narrative be different? You know, and I think it would be. It's amazing the small sample size it would take yeah. to alter it from he's he's on the bus track to like wow <laughs> he's really promising and he could be a breakout guy in twenty twenty one. It's amazing the the small yeah. amount of difference. Yeah, I mean, if you if you were comp- if you compare him to what um, uh, CD Lamb was doing with you know after Dak went down, it wasn't it wasn't all that much you know different. There were Lamb was right. not doing that that well with you know backup level quarterbacks. Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I, I still believe him. He's still promising. Well, that's, I, I think didn't Amari Cooper have the biggest difference? He was like wide receiver one, the wide receiver one with Dak, and then he moves <laughs> down. He moves down to what the twenties, I want to say, without him. I mean, yeah. it's a pretty graphic difference there. Um, I wanted to ask you because Javante Williams is you know one of the young guns uh, of the twenty-one running back group, and yet you have Najee Harris who is historically old because he goes back for his senior year. He was uh he was a 19-year-old freshman as well, right? 19. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so he's going to be a 23-year-old rookie running back and 21 is better than 23. That's that's an ob- I mean, well, it should be an obvious statement for many. But is running back one where we should look differently at age because of their tight window that they're typically, you know, going to be viewed under that rookie contract and 
you know, have a grand opportunity to be the lead back and, and kind of prove their worth right away because it's it's not a developmental position going into the NFL. Or do you think age is still a massive factor and that two years between Najee Harris and Javante Williams is a big deal? I think uh, when we're looking at age, uh, when, it, when it comes to running back prospects, I think I think an older prospect you want to you want to expect them to produce right away because they should be they should be ready right away. And he's he stayed another year, so he should definitely be ready for the pro game, the program game. And I think if for a younger player, maybe if he doesn't produce as a rookie, uh, especially if you're um, a 21 year old uh, rookie. Maybe you give him a little bit of a pass or a leeway if he doesn't, you know, become the lead guy right away. Because uh, as far as NFL production for running backs, I think he a 21-year-old rookie, well, he, he'll be further from his peak. And an older prospect, 23-year-old rookie, he'll be closer to his peak, his apex. So I think that's kind of, that's kind of the way I would view it once, you know, once you're – once they're in the NFL and on an NFL team, that's that's how I would view it. You know, as a dynasty player, if you're, you know, you're doing your rankings or you're considering who to draft, and you're kind of looking at your own team, you're like, okay, you know, with this guy, like maybe if Javante, Javante could probably will probably have a better career, but when you know, how does that? What's the arc of that production? You know, you, you kind of have to evaluate your team. You know, on on a yearly basis, okay, this year, okay, you know, how's he, how's he helping my team? You know, is it, do I want help this year? Or do I, do I want more immediate production or do I want, you know, do I want that peak later, but maybe it's longer, you know? So I think a guy like Najee, maybe he produces right away and then, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll fade sooner. So I think that's kind of the things you kind of have to consider when it comes to age and running backs. Right, because you'll be hitting free agency at 25, 26, as opposed to what we're seeing with, uh, um, you know, with others where if you start, hit, like uh, Nick Chubb will be one, right, where he's hitting it at such a later age, then it becomes a, a bigger factor there for his future opportunities and, uh, and the decline. And, and I think Ronald Jones would be a good example of that, right? You come in at 21, things don't exactly go your way, but yet you have more leeway when you're 23, 24, 25, um, because of that developmental curve where you're saying with Najee Harris at 23 and a half, he's going to have to hit the ground running, but you may get a really nice solid two, three year window there at the start where people aren't really going to think about age all that much, um, you know, in dynasty terms or NFL terms, because you're in your window, you should be producing. And if he is producing all is good in the neighborhood is what I would think. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking because we were talking about Kadarius Tony. Is Kenny Gainwell the Kadarius Tony of the running back position this year, or is there another example uh, of a guy where it seems like he's getting pumped a little beyond what his his profile would indicate if you're going strictly by by metrics? Gainwell, I think I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't say Gainwell. Okay. Yeah, I think some of the, some of the other analytic guys that I know they they like they like him. As far as okay. that goes, uh, a running Kadaris Tony of running backs. <laughs> I'm like, I, 
my <laughs> I got like my mind on wide there's, receivers. Well, there's probably <laughs> there's probably not someone that glaring. Um, just kind of looking at my own listing here. So, uh, let's go with uh, maybe Javante's uh, teammate Michael Carter. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. You mean this? Was he the Senior Bowl MVP? There you go. Do I have that right? Well, that, that, yeah, that might be yeah, all you need to know. You know. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he's getting a lot of. He's like he's kind of moving up because of a little bit of recency bias. He's kind of he's kind of been on a national stage, so I think it, I think in a way he's kind of he's kind of overrated. Even though I do like him, it's just. You know, I think I like him in a certain a certain spot. You know, as far as as far as you know, draft, real life draft and fantasy draft. I think you know I like him in a certain spot, but I think the spot where people are putting him, I just think it's a little bit too rich. Why is Jermar Jefferson not talked about more? <sighs> play, play play devil's advocate. Yeah. Why is he not talked about more? Why? Probably because. He plays for Oregon State, okay. and they're not—they're not perennial. Okay. They're not perennial winner. They're not a big program, and I think so. Just, and I, I think kind of—I think last year he was—he didn't have a big season, so you know, he people weren't even thinking about him. And I think, um, you know, they forgot—they forgot the good freshman year he had, right? You know. Yeah, you know, people people have short memories, so they just they don't remember how good he was. Okay, one and guy, yeah. one guy I haven't hear, heard you. Well, I again, I haven't read every tweet, but I have seen plenty of them. <laughs> that so you you like Jamar Jefferson, and there's a bunch of again, you could probably predict that that Fusu would like him if you sort of, sort of know certain traits he's looking for. But one guy I haven't seen you reference, so I don't know if I'm on an island here in terms of like the deep sleeper running back type that Stevie Scott declared and he fits a lot of the criteria, but not one or two. So I was curious if Stevie Scott is sort of on your big picture list of like, even if he goes day three, if he goes undrafted, like he's still on your mind or is he someone where you, you have a flaw or two that's going to keep him off of that radar? Um, yeah, Stevie was a guy that, uh, as a recruit, I was high on him. I did, yeah, I, I did like him, and he did. He had pretty good production as a freshman, and he, oh, you yeah. know, he, yeah, and he kind of fell off. So I think that kind of, you know, that's kind of a huge red flag. His, you know, his his volume and his his efficiency, efficiency fell off. So you know, okay. I think I haven't. So yeah, so I he, he has a lot of questions. So that's one reason why I'm kind of kind of not on him anymore because i think you know maybe maybe he got maybe he got slower and you know i just you know the way i see it you know maybe he doesn't have the athleticism to play in the nfl okay you know even though he you know there was that early production you know he's probably he's probably not the same player he was as a freshman that's kind of the takeaway you know that's just kind of the yeah the takeaway that i'm that i'm you know I get from that. So you might have maxed out at 18 years old and and <laughs> did no, but for I mean for whatever some, reason, yeah, maybe guy, there was some, an injury. <laughs> no, but know. some but some guys don't yeah. really progress beyond that point in terms of developing their their yeah. body, their movement, their their athleticism, and that means when you start 
going up against you know higher level competition or the standard goes up you just don't hang so that might be yeah okay um what is for for some final thoughts here what are maybe one or two points you would recommend to folks when they're doing their own analysis uh they're they're creating their own valuation system for prospects this year that what are one or two maybe tips you would have for them or traps in terms of navigating all the Twitter information, all the podcasts out there, just the, the, the mind numbing amount of information that would be available to them. And then also trying to distill that down or block it out and make their own choices, their own valuations and, and, and putting those own th- those things in place for three months now. I mean, what, what tips would you have? Because you largely execute your, your valuations and evaluations in your own bubble and universe of, you know, I'm going to basically see what I think before I see what, what others, others think. The best thing I could say is you just, <laughs> you just got to find, you just got to find like the really smart, the really smart, um, the smart people to follow and you know read their stuff and I think that's kind of I mean that's probably a, a challenge in and of itself so um, I mean that's yeah that's I mean that's kind of tough uh, you know I would just I think <laughs> I don't know honestly I don't know how to answer that one that's kind oh, that's of, all right well, um, I, obviously, you know, I, I, I would recommend you um, as, as a follow for folks. <laughs> I, I mentioned that before. You're, you're at Devi Youssef. There you go. Um, but if there was someone else, so who would be in your little pack? Is there, is there one person you can think of on Twitter that if you were to be a part of like a scouting department w- and you had to bring somebody in, who would you pick? Uh, I'll go with my, my buddy, uh, Drew. <laughs> Uh, his handle is D- Bean Counter. <laughs> okay, DF Bean Counter. Actually, I think I, I'm gonna have him coming on the show in a few weeks. Okay, so Drew, wow. Drew uh, DF Bean Counter. So you and him would mix it up yeah. and uh, and uh, make some good uh, decisions. Yeah, I think there's a certain um, you know a certain section of Dynasty football on Twitter that I think there's a there's a, I think there's a certain circle that you know. That I, I guess that that would be my advice to find that specific circle and you know just follow them and kind of pick their brain a little. Okay. Yeah. yeah um. Like I <laughs> like I mentioned uh, with Fusuvu uh, at Devi Youssef, you can find him on Twitter. I am at Chad Parsons NFL as usual, and uh, a lot of discussion in this episode talking about prospects, talking about scouting, talking about the uh, the crazy environment that is. Uh, the the draft process going into late April here because you know without the combine we're gonna have a bunch of time uh, as I like to say to twist our mustache and um, really figure out you know again like you said with the what resources can you trust what process is one that you want to be a part of in terms of adding to your your uh, your toolbox as I like to say for for your evaluation of the prospects 
And uh, do want to remind everybody, you can support this program. You didn't hear any advertising. Uh, and you can get exclusive content over at patreon.com slash UTH. Uh, you can find Tim Torchin and I do a, a feature podcast. I do some bonus content over there, as well as all the subscription options over at UTHDynasty.com. want to thank Fusu for coming on, sharing his talents, and sharing his, his thoughts on this upcoming draft class. Also, previous prospects. Um, And until next week, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.